Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle-Land. Lawson. Lawson. What are you thankful for this morning? I'm I'm so thankful uh, for the work that I get to do. I like obviously Faith FM. I get to come in and speak on radio, and it's kind of this thing for me. Like if you ever like go on Twitter or whatever, and it's like um, you read like people like, oh yeah, um, make your passion your work, and then you never work a day in your life, and you can be happy. Well, for me, I just like don't shut up, and so now I get paid for it. So <laughs> um, Lawson just does what Lawson does all Yeah, time. that's right. I just keep talking. But also, like, God has just been really blessing our work on the university campus. Like, more and more people are just becoming interested in Bible studies, in spending time with us, in getting to know God. And it's just like every single day just feels like a miracle. Like, Absolutely. I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, every single day there's new people. Like, we just walk through the campus, and it's like, oh, like, we might know someone through someone and say hello. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, I'll do Bible studies with you. And and some of those people are really smart and it can be really challenging. Some of those people are really open. It's like you get people from all over the end of the spectrum. Some people have never heard the name of Jesus in their life, but literally like, oh, I've just been so incredibly blessed. And I'm just rejoicing. Like, God is so good. So, yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling this morning. Oh, sorry, that's amazing. sorry to take all the time, Lyle, but I just That's thought, all right. Just go for it. You, you, you've been blessed <laughs> and you've got God great is, testimonies to God talk about. So, good. just get it out there and talk about it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So, coming up in today's news, we're going to talk about Pat Robertson. He's still around. I have no idea who that is. You are such... What on earth? Seriously, how can you possibly not know Pat Robertson? I don't know. It sounds like, like a basketball player. Anyway, name. all right. Anybody, <laughs> anybody who is my age or older knows about Pat Robertson, and he's in the news. We are about to start our quiz, so get ready to call. The number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and the one hundred point question for our quiz is: How many blemishes was a sacrificial beast allowed to have? Okay. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And for 100 points, you can win yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker. Or you can give us a call, get those points on the board, uh, not take the prize, but get every single question correct and win every single prize. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And again, that question was, how many blemishes was a sacrificial beast allowed to have? All right. If you know the answer, give us a call right now. Lawson, let's talk about positively. We need to talk about positively different news at a time yep. like this, more than ever before. Uh huh. There's a lot of negative news. Floods, yeah. Ukraine. Mm hmm. Let's talk about positive stuff. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, no, come on. Uh, anyways, uh, in other roast, news. Uh, <laughs> roast, roast Lyle this morning. Okay, I came across the coolest thing this morning. Yes. So, um, there's this study that has been done. Uh, it is by, it's called the My Postcard Study. And I don't know why they named it that, but it's essentially a, a like, basically a big ball of data that's been put together um, from all different places, from the World Giving Index, from the World Bank, from Charity and Aid Foundations, uh, from different surveys, uh, the Global Philanthropic Index, the World Health Organization. Um, and ultimately, they've put together together this study which rates every single country on a ton of different uh, metrics to show which country is 
the best in terms of its ability to give back to its citizens and what the citizens are doing, how phil- philanthropic they are, how amazing they are. I don't, let's just go through it because the, really the amazingness, the, basically the, the, the amazingness, the amazingness so. of a country. Okay, like from okay, so they have a total result where they add all them up, but the categories are like charity, social security benefits, international donations, public services funding, healthcare, education, gender equality, uh, elderly support from family, elderly care from the state, and child support. And you can just go through and see how each country ranks and it's like the funnest thing ever so let's let's just have a look at some of them let's let's i want to start with some some different topics first and then we'll work our way up to doing a total like which country is ranked as the highest the best so let's start with something like charity charity like how how philanthropic a country is i think australia would be up there well guess what lyle what we're actually second oh which is pretty good out of every single country that's great indonesia is first is that so? Yeah. We're in a good part of the world. Yeah. This is a fantastic region. So Indonesia is Go first. Indonesia. They give the most money internationally uh, and nationally through charity. And we're second. So come on, Aussie. We've, the, the, they've laid the gauntlet down. Let's let's take first place. What's also cool about this this study that's been done is, is it ranks them on like a, on a point system. And so I think the, the country at the top is 100 points. And then it's like... Everything below that is, you know, related to that country. So Indonesia's at 100, and then we're second at 96.5. We're trailed closely by the UK in third by 96 with 96.3. Interesting. I wouldn't have put the UK in there, but there um, you go. New Zealand's in the top five with 93.8. I would have put New Zealand in there. Um, the US is ninth with 88.9. So, okay. yeah, really interesting. All right, let's have a look at some other ones. Um, oh, let's go to volunteering. How much volunteering do you know does exist in in different countries? Um, guess who's number one? Australia. No. Indonesia. No. UK. No. New Zealand. No. Uh, Denmark. No. I don't know. The US of A. Oh, really? Yeah, they're one hundred. Go America. Go America. Well done. So, so uh, in terms of volunteering, uh, the USA is at one hundred. New Zealand is second, and Indonesia's third. Australia, we're sitting around seventh. Okay, so we've got to pick up our game. A we, bit do, we do, we do. We're being, in the top ten. We're being built by the Phil- We're being beat by the Philippines, Kenya, Ir- and Ireland. Really? So Kenya's taking us out. Yeah, that's go right. Kenya. Go Kenya. Good for them. Um, Netherlands is, is is in ninth. Mongolia is in tenth. Good, good for Mongolia. <laughs> so the, the, dude, I told you this is so fun going through all of these different like. There's there's categories countries in here you would not expect. All right, let's see healthcare. So which. Which countries rank the best on healthcare? What do you reckon, Lyle? Australia. Um, not quite. We'd be up there. Yeah, we're, we're fifth. Fifth. Okay. okay. Uh, the UK? No. Germany? No. Hmm. Wow. So, the number one country, according to this study that's been done in healthcare, is Iceland. And okay. which makes sense because right. it's a first world country that like no one lives in and has a pretty high standard <laughs> of living. So yeah, they've got great healthcare. Norway's in second. The Netherlands is in third. Luxembourg is in fourth. I believe like Australia being in fifth, we're bigger than all of those countries. So it's like geographically, geographically, but also population wise. I don't think I would say like the, the, the Netherlands is probably the biggest out of all of those ones in front of us, but I don't think it has a bigger population than Australia. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, that, 17 million. So we've got the biggest population out of the top five. So We're in the small fit. countries. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All the small countries have great healthcare systems. Where's America? Apparently. Like 3,000. Uh, 
20 fans. <laughs> so, so like they're struggling because obviously like they're rating not only um access to healthcare but also you know the facilities and whatnot well they have fantastic technology but a very different philosophy everything they yeah. have a very different philosophy so oh let's have a look at education who do you reckon is number one australia Man, you're really you're really rooting I'm for australia i'm patriotic we're this gonna is- get a, we're gonna get a number one here sooner or later <laughs> Yeah, this I don't is know actually this. our worst category. Oh, really? We're in nineteenth. We're struggling. First is no Switzerland way. with one hundred, and then there's yeah, quite a big figures. jump. Like second is Singapore with ninety five. That figures. Uh, yeah, Finland, okay. Canada, and the US is in fifth. This is where you'd expect to find Korea, Japan, um, China. You know, because all my Korean friends, all my Japanese friends, all my Chinese friends, they're all like super educated. Super educated, yeah. So yeah, and they're kind of hanging around the, the in the top ten. So, so what did you say was fifth? Uh, fifth was the US. That's rubbish. <laughs> I have studied in the Australian education system. I have studied in the United States education system, and the United States education system is just it's just a yawn. Okay, this is an interesting one because this might be like I'm I'm like tempted to think like I I don't know if this is correct because so this is minority equality. So, it, and it rates minority on a bunch of different factors. Not only, like, we're not t- talking just about, like, race, but financially and all different areas. Like, okay. different different minorities, different people groups. Um, Sweden is first. Finland is second. Norway is third. Luxembourg is fourth. And Netherlands is fifth. So, this is, like, this very tight-knit kind of group in Europe. Yeah, I'd believe in that. Europe. Um, Canada is sixth. The UK is seven. I think if it was race-based, Australia would be first. Yeah, because Australia is in fourteenth. Really? I mean, I'm like, I'm like, okay, so like we have like, yeah, see, but we're still capitalist. We're still very capitalist, rather than you're talking about countries there that are a lot more socialist. Yeah, and so we have a lot more freedom. You can't have freedom and equality at the same time because they kind of balance each other out. You know, as freedom goes up, equality goes down, and as equality goes up, freedom goes down. Yeah, but also like we have, and we're more focused on freedom. We're not. Fully, yeah, but we have Centrelink, and I'm like, that's such a, such a benevolent socialist. system of social welfare, like socialist system. Yeah, okay. I want to, <laughs> I want to show you an interesting one, a super interesting one. Elderly support from family. Okay, so Ooh. older the, the older generations, like how from much family? Do, how much does your family support them? Okay, this time we're going to go maybe Africa. Guess, get a dude. First place. Saudi Arabia. I, absolutely. Absolutely. These guys have the culture for it. They're, it's a fantastic part of Middle Eastern culture. Yeah. And then second place, the UAE. Third place, Thailand. Uh, Thailand. Okay. Uh, Thailand. Thailand. Uh, fourth place, Singapore. And fifth place, Turkey. Interesting. But, dude, seriously. Africa's like, not even in there. Uh, Uganda is in ninth. Okay. But it's so interesting, like, in the most, the majority of the countries in the top ten, like, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Turkey, Malaysia, Indonesia. It's all the 1040 window. These are all, these are all, like, Muslim countries. Yes, 1040 window. Yeah, totally. So, you got South Korea in 10th, I'm like, oh, good good for them. I, this Because, you know, for a more of a secularist Asian yeah, country yeah, yeah, yeah. to support their elderly, I'm like, man, great good, culture. good for those we guys. We need to learn something from these guys. Um, actually, this is our worst category because we're not even in the top 25. Yeah, I'd believe that. We're, we're struggling we big time. Um, let's finally look at child support. 
So how much does a country support their children? Um, number one is Denmark. And again, now this shifts back to you, th- that kind of Scandinavian, yes. European area. Yes, you know, Denmark, Sweden, country. Luxembourg, UK, Iceland, Norway. Mongolia is in seventh. Good for them. Wow. As- Australia is in 19th again. So, yeah. but I, 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 we're reigning up there. Oh, yeah. And in total, the best country to live in, according to this, is the Netherlands. You couldn't pay me to live there. and But Australia's in fourth, so I'm like, yeah, good for us. Go for it, top, go Australia. Top five, good for us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. <laughs> Let's have our 200-point question for our quiz. All right, for 200 points, what appeared just before Elijah was taken up into heaven? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. For 200 points, you can win an issue of Signs Magazine, or you can get your points on the board, continue work your way through the quiz, and if you answer every question correctly, you get every single prize. But again, that question was, what appeared just before Elijah was taken up into heaven? 0491-064-669. Okay, so I think I've probably offended all of our um, Dutch uh, friends here, <laughs> listeners here on the Faith FM. Um, and some people ask me, well, why didn't one even live in the Netherlands? I, well, I like wide open spaces. And, the, yeah. and, I, and I just, Lawson and I were having a conversation off air. I was like, there's no wide open spaces in the Netherlands. And then uh, Lawson's like, have you ever been there? The Netherlands is amazing. It's pretty good. You can ride bikes everywhere. They have awesome bike lanes. And it's just nice and people are kind and it is, it's a pretty nice place. But well, then we're going to we're gonna have to, next time we have Baron Newstratton on the show, we're going to have to say, Baron, sell us on the Netherlands. Yeah. Tell us all the good things about the Netherlands. That being said, guess which country is ranked number two? So we're fourth. Yes. Third is Finland. Mm. Guess which country is number two? Probably the Netherlands. No, number one is the Netherlands. Oh, number one. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. What's no, guess what number two is? I have no idea. Canada. Yeah. And that's somewhere where Lyle probably de- definitely doesn't want to live. No. <laughs> so- snow and ice. Lots of snow and ice. <laughs> the sun and I are good friends. Mm, that's right. Uh, they do get lots of sunshine in Canada, but they just the sun doesn't do much. Yeah. It's just cold. Yeah. And it's full of Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, well, uh, in other news, <laughs> in other news, um, while everybody's getting a roasting here this morning, Darren sends a text message through that says, "You need to give Lawson an education on what Pat a- Robertson." Oh, oh, that's right. This okay, American media mogul, televangelist, political commentator, uh, former Republican presidential candidate, oh, um, okay. Southern Baptist minister, um, founder of a university. Uh, graduate from uh, Yale Law School. Uh, where, where, where do you want me to, to finish? He owns the CBN uh, Broadcasting Network. Okay. Uh, he appears daily on the 700 Club. He's, he's 90 91. Years, 91 years old. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, he's a pretty significant guy and has been around for a very, very long time and has been very, very influential in evangelical Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, as he ages, he's getting maybe less influential, which is why Lawson probably hasn't heard of him. But mm-hmm. um, that's right. There's a lot of people Lawson hasn't heard of. So, <laughs> Okay, but he's been, been bringing out some interesting thoughts in relationship to the conflict in the Ukraine. And this is what I'm seeing. This is a really interesting thing that we're starting to see in the last couple of days is all of the Cold World, uh, Cold War, I should say, all the Cold War theologians and evangelists have suddenly been reinvigorated. Yes. So during the Cold War, and, and this guy, you know, he dates back to the Cold War. He he started in ministry, I think, in the 1950s or something or other. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, at the peak of the Cold War. And of course, at the peak of the Cold War, everything was in Bible prophecy was about Russia. Mm. And of course, there's been silence on that for the last 20 years while we've been fighting the war on terror. And everybody's been like, no, it's all about the Middle East. Mm. The whole focus is on the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And nobody's been, you know, quoting Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38 or any of those kind of passages. Everyone's gone suddenly silent on those. Well, now uh, these guys that honed and perfected those arguments back during the Cold War, they are back and they are back with a vengeance. And so this is, uh, this is, this is, this is a number of quotes from Pat Robertson on his uh, 700 Club show. He says, uh, in relationship to the war in the Ukraine, God is getting ready to do something amazing. Oh. Uh, it's a bit scary because the Ukraine is particularly unamazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he says the invasion is setting the stage for the entire region to declare war on Israel. Now, this is interesting. We're going to talk about more about it in in just a moment, um, but. You know, well, let, let's let's address this because Israel has probably become the greatest distraction to understanding Bible prophecy that our world has ever <laughs> yeah. seen. While everybody is focused on Israel, uh, the Antichrist is able to go out there and to do his thing just completely unnoticed. And what fascinates me about this whole discussion is that Christians have this urge to label every bad guy as the Antichrist. Mm. Haven't hasn't anybody ever yet figured out that the Antichrist is not going to be a bad guy? <laughs> the Antichrist is going to be a good guy. How on earth do you expect Satan to, to deceive people with someone that's evil? Yeah, he's not going to deceive the whole world with Putin or like Russia is Trump literally or... the single most like unpopular country in the world right now. Yes, no one's being deceived by this. <laughs> Bible says Antichrist, you know, if it was possible, he would deceive the mm. most righteous people on earth, yeah, the very right. elect. Mm. That's what the Bible says. Seriously. Let's let's read what the Bible has to say um, about the Antichrist. If we go over to Second uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible has this to say about Antichrist. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. There are a couple of things that you need to note about this verse. First of all, the Bible says that just before Jesus comes back, the son of the, 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 the Antichrist, the, the man of sin, mm. will be revealed, mm-hmm. which means that you can't see him right now because he doesn't look bad. Mm. And then it goes on and it tells you why he doesn't look bad because it calls him the son of perdition. Do you know who the son of perdition is in the Bible? Oh, isn't it Judas? It's Judas. Mm. In the Bible, Judas is the son of perdition. There's a reference right here to Judas. Did Judas look bad as one of the disciples? No. He looked the best. He was he, a good dude. He was the one who was the most educated. He was the one who was the most capable. He was the financier of the of, of the whole group. He was the one who was always helping out the poor. You don't look for the bad guy, guys. Don't look for an evil empire when you're looking for the Antichrist and, mm. and fulfillment of end time events. Notice what the Bible says if we go back to Daniel chapter 8. Uh, Daniel chapter 8 and verse 25, I think it is. Let's go there real quick. The Bible says, and through his policy, Antichrist, also he will cause craft to prosper in his hand. Craftiness. That's sneakiness. Okay, So that's old English for sneakiness. 
And he shall magnify himself in his heart and by and by peace. By what? Peace. By peace he will destroy many. Mm. The Bible says the Antichrist is going to be a man of peace. Wow. Don't be looking to Putin to be the Antichrist. Don't be looking to Israel to, you know, for the fulfillment of these things. Look around the world and find the man of peace. Mm. That's what the Bible says to look for. The one who is like Judas, who is doing all of the good things in the world, mm. that's where the Bible says that our attention uh, needs to be. Uh, Pat Robinson said that went on to say that Putin is a pawn in the hands of God, uh, or essentially said, you know, he's a pawn in the hands of God to bring uh, um, to bring on his own destruction. He, this is a quote from Pat Robinson. He says Putin is compelled by yeah. God. Um, his real goal is not Ukraine but Israel. Wow, this big statements right here. Uh, he will make a grand alliance with Turkey. Uh, Russia can't do it without the Ukraine as a land bridge. Seriously, bro, they could literally Pat wipe Robertson. out Jerusalem today. Yes, that like t- like today, Russia could wipe out Jerusalem with P- Putin could do it with his thumb. Yep, literally push a, a button, a phone call. That's it. <laughs> like, they need a land bridge, and and like there is no other land bridge across there. Uh, just geography, mm. guys. Geography, basic geography. Come on. <laughs> Uh, don't try and bring your newspaper into Bible prophecy. Bring them mm. study Bible prophecy using principles of prophetic interpretation, and then you will get interpretations that are lasting, that never go away, that mm. never grow old, that never go out of date, that are always fulfilled, and never bring discredit on Christianity, and you don't have to go quiet about them for 20 years while there's a different war happening. <laughs> Yes. Uh, he, Pat Robinson says, you know of a fact God is bringing it to pass what he prophesied. Okay, so, you know, we've got all of this happening right now and, um, you know, we need to be students of the word of God. We need to go to the Bible. We need to look at what the Bible says. Mm. And the Bible says that the focus at the end of time is not on Israel. That's not where we should be looking. We need to be looking for the Antichrist. If you want to know who it is, give us a call, 0491-064-669, and you can do the Prophetic Code course, which is all about Bible prophecy. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> We're just Man, having a discussion. Yeah, a big, deep discussion on Calvinism happening right here. <laughs> Hey, if you've got any thoughts that you'd like to share in relationship to Israel and Bible prophecy and everything that is uh, taking place in the Ukraine, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You've heard some of my thoughts. Uh, give us a call, 0491 Share us your thoughts on what is happening over there or shoot us a text message. Uh, and if you want to disagree with us, then you're more than welcome to do exactly that. Mm. But right now we are going to have the 300-point quiz question for our pentathlon quiz. That's right. Okay, for 300 points, what city was named after the previous owner, Shema, by Omri, the king of Israel? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 300 points, you can win a pocket sermon or get those points on the board. But again, that question was, what city was named after its previous owner, Shema, by Omri, the king of Israel? Omri is actually the first king in the Bible who existed, I think, in the 900s BC who we have uh, outside archaeological evidence for existing. There you go. So he's, like, confirmed by other people to be yes, king, of indeed. king of Israel. Very much so. Awesome stuff. Yes. 
All right. So joining us on the phone, uh, as usual, on Wednesday is David Howe. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen, from a very, very wet uh, northern part wow. of uh, New South Wales. So you're up in the Tweed Heads area, is that right? Correct, yes. And uh, has has your house survived the flooding? Are you on high ground? Uh, part of my role, I'm on high ground, but part of my role is to uh, guide our churches on, on their response uh, to the floods and to support the community. And um, I was so focused on helping others that uh, when I opened my garage door yesterday, I saw the devastation in there. The water is not up to uh, to our house, the floodwaters I'm talking about, but um, the rest of the water that's just been falling around us has seeped in. We've got no power uh, for the, the third day now. And because we're on a property, uh, no water that flows. Uh, no showers, no toilets that flush. And, um, yeah, it's quite interesting life, uh, to go outside and dip your bucket in the, the normal, uh, rainwater tank and, uh, uh, try to make your own shower outside and, and clean yourself. Yeah. Wow. You guys are, uh, having quite an undesirable adventure up there in the north. Our prayers are certainly with you, and particularly as you coordinate the relief efforts um, for the Adventist Church in that particular area. Uh, and it looks like it's heading down here, possibly the Sydney area. Um, it sure is. It might be out of your region, but they are talking about it hitting the Hunter as well. So um, we appreciate We're- the fact that you are taking the time this morning to talk to us when you must be incredibly busy. It's been a very busy time with very little sleep. Uh, one of the most frustrating things is that my reception at home has fallen to one bar. I've got no internet connection. So I've got to go to a higher ground every time that a message comes through um, and in order to make those calls and direct. So I'm spending a lot of time in the vehicle uh, overseeing the devastation down below me. Mm. Um uh, the, the M1 I see now just outside of Tweet has started to move. Um, the the uh, paddocks uh, with sugarcane uh, between uh, Mwilamba and uh, Tweed, uh, which normally is beautiful green and lush, has just been a sea of water. Um, but the heads are now starting to show again. So there's hope. There's an indication of receding water and um, the M1, the, the the traffic that was trapped there, I notice has started to move. Mm. So that's good news. It is good news, David. And uh, next week we'd like to, you know, get an update from you of uh, all that has taken place because I think it'll probably take us a week to really wrap our heads around what has what has happened and also you know what people volunteers and so forth have been able to accomplish and what you've been able to um, coordinate up there in that area um, the people the people are extremely resilient and yeah just the volunteer work and the support that people give is enormous mm. David, I sent through a message yesterday, which um, which which you got, was which is something a little bit different. So, I, for, for our listeners, I gave David a bit of a challenge, and uh, you know we've kind of got two crises happening at once, and so I went with the bigger crisis, and it probably doesn't feel like a bigger crisis when you're in the middle of the floods in North New South Wales, but really the bigger crisis in our world is what is happening in the Ukraine, 
And uh, what what prompted my thought was this was you know something that somebody sent through for me. These kind of things do this do the rounds. And this was a uh, a marine who had served in Iraq and had been involved in a lot of street fighting in Iraq. And he was basically giving advice to the Ukrainians. Okay, as a Ukrainian, this is what you do. This is how you prepare your house. This is this is how you prepare your neighbourhood. This is this is how you you know resist and defend. Um, in an urban environment, and he gave a whole lost list of uh, of things there that I would never have thought of, and and, uh, and and as he was listing them through, these were all strategic kinds of things that people could be doing at this particular time to uh, to resist the Russian invasion. And so what I did was I sent it through to Dave, and I said, okay, can can we do a uh, a version of this for people's mental health. If you've got a, a Ukrainian family there, you know, mum, dad, the kids, they're sleeping in the subway, they've got no food certainty, uh, there are shells and bombs landing around, what what do they do, you know, as they may be sitting in the subway there, you know, in the evening or whatever it might be, what do they do to build emotional resilience to what is happening and what, you know, what may happen? Uh, because I imagine that there is not just a lot of stress, but a lot of anxiety about the future. We're looking at a you know a long drawn out war ahead of us. Uh, David, do you have a bit of a, a list that you can share with uh, our Ukrainian friends that uh, might be useful for them? You know what we share with them is very applicable to us being affected by the floods as well, because many of us have been bunkered in as well over the past four days. And uh, so there's a lot that we can can draw from for both Ukraine as well for ourselves. Um, one of the biggest things is the ability to manage expectations. You know, we want our life to return to normal. And uh, so often our expectation sometimes of the worst to happen. Uh, I, I received a message from... Um, a, a single mum with a child uh, with a rising floodwaters lapping at the door and uh, the anxiety levels was just extreme because what is the expectation? The expectation is that very soon we will be flooded in. What do we do? And was unable to look beyond that. And I said to her, have you found the SES? Have you gone onto the list? And uh, she said to me, no. I said, go immediately, phone, in other words, to anticipate, yes, there is the potential, but not be paralyzed by that, but focus on steps, what we can in actual fact do in order to alleviate uh, or, or secure uh, you know, safety. Uh, the second one is to, uh, to protect and manage our stress thresholds. Um, while it's so easy to zoom in on only the, the, the negative part, while, you know, there is so much hope still around. Um, I went down to the shops yesterday, um, uh, well, the only shops that were open, and found it completely bare. No bread, nothing available. And I sensed immediately um, a, a pang of, of fear. How do I feed and protect my family because our food in our fridges and freezers gone off, we've got to slow it away. How do we respond? And I had to deliberately choose 
to uh, recognize the stress levels that immediately started to, to kick in and then to focus on what I actually can do. And we went home and we actually uh, built a fire and started to, to actually prepare food outside and use dry stuff that, that we were not able, well, well, but we didn't initially think about using. In other words, that leads to also uh, recognizing our red flags. Um, what is the signs of stress really building up and then to be able to manage it? One of the best things that I have found was in which Ukraine uh, and, and I see here happening in Australia is to be compassionate towards others as well as towards yourself. One of those compassionate things is not just only helping out. I observed yesterday young people getting into canoes to row about five kilometers in the waters that, that uh, were not yet receding to try and rescue a family that was overnight stranded on a rocky outcrop. Mm. Uh, to, to try and bring them to rescue. And it wasn't just one. People from all over came together. They eventually um, found uh, people that, that had a boat, and the boat owner eventually said, leave your, your kayak. We will actually go by boat and try and rescue those families. There's enormous resilience. But what is interesting is that the, the boat owner his entire house is under the water. Mm. He's lost everything. But he's, he's not been paralyzed by what is happening around it. He's looking beyond his own predicament and he's actually looking for opportunities to help other people. Um, what, one of the most crucial things is to uh, maintain connection. Connection with people, connection with loved ones. Now, that is often very difficult, especially when uh, our emails are down, our, uh, our phone reception goes down, but my immediate household to keep connecting with them and keep uh, you know, communication open. Um, managing the uncertainties by staying uh, present. In can, other can, words, I, can I just jump in yeah. for a second? When you're talking about you know, connecting with people, and I think that during times of crisis like this, you know, in a global world where our families are spread all over the world and we get cut off so easily, maybe this is a time when we can take the opportunity to connect with people that we wouldn't normally connect with and, and build relationships with people that we wouldn't normally build relationships with. You know, you think of, of the boat owner whose house is underwater but goes out to rescue a family off a rocky outcrop. You know, there's an opportunity for a, a, a human connection right there that, and we can make the most of those opportunities while we are disconnected from, you know, our family that might be spread around the world. Correct. And uh, what was very interesting as um, as I was trying to survey and see what is happening around us and observe these young people climbing down the banks uh, into the M1 freeway from high up, climbing down the banks, going over fences to try and uh, see whether families that are caught in the floodwaters below that, that can't move, whether they need water or food or even shelter. Um, I, I met beautiful people 
uh, and and people that doesn't live too far away from myself that I whom I never met before, and um, it was just great to connect with them and to be able to ask around. Do you people need help? Are you okay? But the the, the, the most important thing for me is that each one were looking beyond their own uh, you know issues, looking to see where they could assist other people. Um, Lyle, what I would further pack in if, if I would be, you know, in a uh, subway hiding with my family in a war-torn situation, I would make sure that I've got uh, food, that uh, long-life food, um, especially that gives um, a fair amount of energy. I would make sure if I've got kids that there's... Uh, enough clothing and, and warmth for them. Water is the most crucial during this time. And uh, I would make sure that I occupy their minds. So I would bring in games. I would bring mathematical problems. I would bring stories of hope. And I think you can pick up where I'm heading now. I've been in a war situation and there is a, in a book form, uh, there's puzzles, there is mathematical issues, there is poems, there is stories of hope and uh, there's history and I, the first book that I had packed in when I was uh, drafted into war, into a war situation, was my Bible. Mm-hmm. And in the greatest crisis, that is where I turned to. And uh, for families to sit there in the subway, where they actually gather them as a family together around the Word of God, reading about the hope, the intervention in which God has made in the most hopeless cases so for Israel and for other people, and God intervened. God hasn't changed. And uh, for me, in the midst of a major flood, it is that hope that I find in the Word of God that actually strengthens and anchors me, no matter what is happening around me. I know that there's still a future and there's still hope for me and for so many other people. Thank you so much for sharing. And, of course, you know, we've seen that the Bible has been, you know, a mainstay of hope for, you know, so many people throughout, you know, wartime and and, and times of crisis in the past. It has never failed in thousands of years. And uh, that would be, you know, right up there, right alongside water as one of the necessities of life in a major crisis. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.